Interspersed through our story, we hear a fascinating conversation between Jesus and Peter. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Come. Lord, save me. You of little faith, why did you doubt? I'm going to use my imagination to try to make some sense of this conversation. It's maybe a slightly different interpretation than normal, but I think there's room for many interpretations in our scripture. So hopefully it offers something for you today. Before Jesus showed up, I think Peter felt helpless, unable to move forward, completely at the mercy of the storm. Last week, Pastor Todd talked about Peter's cry in an earlier story, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, and how God's loving acceptance allows us to let go of our self-criticism and embrace who we really are. But we know that this journey isn't once and done. And I wonder if the experience of the storm woke up Peter's inner critic. He's been following Jesus, listening to his teachings, watching him perform miracles. Most recently, as Maynard said, feeding over 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. But now Peter's exhausted in the dark, powerless. Perhaps wondering why Jesus allowed this to happen. Perhaps feeling that being unable to overcome the storm is a reflection on his faith. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears in the middle of the storm. So what do we make of Peter's response? Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. I think Peter saw Jesus as the opposite of everything that he's feeling. Here was Jesus, not helpless against the storm, but able to walk right through it. Not doubting or uncertain, but boldly acting. And I imagine that Peter thought, if Jesus tells me to come to him, I can be like that too. I can be above the storm. I get what Peter's feeling. I often feel uncertainty and doubt about what it means to follow Jesus or how I should be living out my faith. And along with this doubt, I have a persistent fantasy of some future version of myself who boldly acts out my faith without any fear or doubt or misgivings, who knows the right thing to do and does it without hesitation. The details of exactly how this fantasy Peter does his faith are fuzzy, but the point of the fantasy is that I imagine if I could do it, everything would be all right, and it would erase any self-critical feelings of not doing it right or not being faithful enough. So when Peter sees Jesus, I think he has a fantasy kind of like this. And Peter goes for it. He steps out of the boat, and the water holds him. But it doesn't go as planned. Out on the water, he's in the storm, pushed by the wind, slapped by the waves, only now without the safety of the boat. Where he'd hoped to gain power over the storm, instead the storm is too much for him, and he sinks. And only now he finally cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus is right there. Immediately, the text says, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And as Jesus pulls Peter out of the water, he says, you of little faith, why do you doubt? I don't actually think Jesus is chastising Peter for sinking. I don't think he's saying Peter shouldn't have needed rescuing. Instead, I think Jesus is calling Peter to a deeper understanding. I think he's saying something like this. 
Peter, what are you trying to prove? Did you think if you had enough faith, you'd be free from the storm? Peter, I didn't do this miracle to be free from the storm. I did this miracle to go into the storm because I saw you in trouble and I wanted to be with you. The only faith you need is trust that I'm here to rescue you. We have a very literal rescue in this story. Jesus rescues Peter by pulling him out of the water and rescues all the disciples by calming the storm. But I think there's another deeper rescue going on too. To help get a sense of that, we're gonna take a little detour through the psalm. Um, psalm 22, which Rhoda read earlier, we heard words of praise that come from the end of the psalm, but it's actually a psalm of lament. The opening verses are, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Starting at this place of darkness and lament and then ending in praise is a common pattern in the Psalms. And it's a pattern that for a long time I didn't understand. The two felt disconnected and the praise felt like it was kind of forced and tacked onto the end. I finally saw the connection between lament and praise thanks to a song called Rejoice by Julian Baker. Baker is a current indie songwriter, and this song is not particularly a church song, but it's one of the best examples of a modern day psalm that I've ever heard. Like so many of the psalms in the Bible, it contains a lot of darkness and then moves from that darkness to praise. Baker sings very directly about her addiction, about struggles with self-worth, and then she starts singing about rejoicing. And there are a few lines that hinge between the two, most clearly, she says, I know there's a God, and they hear either way. This song helped me understand that the psalmist doesn't praise God in spite of their lament or unrelated to their lament, but specifically because they voiced their lament, and in doing so, they found the God who hears. Chris is going to play the song now, and the words will be up on the screen. Uh, sorry, one second. Listen for the point where Julian sings about being heard and known by God and how this brings her to rejoice.
a note on the wording of the song. We heard Baker sing, I know there's a God, and they hear either way. In most recordings, including the one you'll find on her CD, she says, I think there's a God. And only in recent versions, versions has she started to sing, I know. There's a specific live recording that I didn't use because the audio is not as good. But she sings first, I think there's a God, and then pauses for a few bars of music and says, I know there's a God. I have no idea whether this was planned or spontaneous, but I see it as a signal that the shift from I think to I know is an organic one that grows out of the singing. It's in bringing her darkness to God again and again and again and being heard again and again and again that she gains the certainty that God is there. I'm struck that walking on water didn't get Peter to Jesus. They didn't meet until Peter sank and cried out for help. And then immediately, Jesus' hand is around Peter's. As soon as Peter admits he needs help, he and Jesus are together. Jesus rescues Peter from the water, yes, but he also rescues Peter from his attempt to break free from fear and doubt by proving he's above them. These kinds of attempts don't get us closer to God. It's in admitting that we're overwhelmed by the storm, admitting that it's too much for us, that we find the God who leaves the safety of the mountain to walk out onto the water, into the storm, to come and rescue us.